Hi, I'm Pawi, and you're listening to Rappler Podcasts. You're listening to Hustles Inside the Industry, where we talk to professionals and find out how they got here, why they're doing what they do, and what it takes to do it. As always, this is Pawi from Rappler's Hustle Team, and joining us today, we have a brand new startup that's gaining momentum in the local tech scene. Avion School teaches and trains budding software engineers in just a matter of 12 weeks. And the craziest part is that graduates don't even need to pay until they get hired. But anyway, also, congrats are in order because Avion School was one of the three Filipino startups that participated in the renowned Y Combinator Accelerated this year. Here to talk all about it, we have Victor Rivera, a co-founder of Avion School. Welcome to the show, Victor. Oh, thanks for having me. How's that, how's that for an intro? Did I get it right? Is Was that all accurate? You mentioned every all the important details. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> what, what, just, just as a little uh, appetizer question. So so you don't need to pay? Uh, uh, like, uh, How does that even work? So the way that we do it is we do this thing called um, an income share agreement. And what that really just means is that we, we have a contract with the student where we say that... Um, you, you can take the course without paying anything up front. And the only time that you pay is when you get a high paying job that pays you at least 25,000 pesos per month. And once you begin hitting that salary, that's the only time that you have to start paying us back. I see. Um, the, the, way that we, the reason that we do that is because we sort of believe that it makes it a lot more worth it for the student. And it doesn't seem fair to the student to take a, a huge risk on their end, um, wanting to become a software engineer. But in the end of the course, they don't really have the actual skill set, and they ended up paying for a course that didn't get them hired. So we wanted to make the incentives align in, in a way. Yeah, and I would I would say just from my outside perspective, right, mm-hmm. uh, that is kind of what makes you competitive. That's like that's mm-hmm. like your edge. Um, awesome. So anyway. Uh, as we always do, I want to take it back all the way to where this all began, right? Um, so, Victor, why don't you tell us where did you first get, you know, this this idea, and how did you <laughs> go about bringing it into reality? So, I think like a, a background on myself is I I've always been a very bad student. Um, so, throughout my life in grade school, high school. Um, the story that my mom would always share is the fact that she had to spend lots of hours every day um, speaking to a lot of my teachers. And the reason she did that was because I was failing every single class that I was taking. I don't think it was because I was stupid. It was really just because I didn't have um, any interest towards the way that they were teaching the things that the, um, that they had in school. But I guess like fast forward um, a couple of years from that, I, I went to college and on my last year, I, I decided to drop out of college. Um, the, the, the quick story there was I, I, I heard someone say that to become a CEO, the person needs to have an MBA for him to trust that guy. And that didn't make a lot of sense to me because for one, um, the guy that was teaching it had a PhD and he was not a CEO. And on my end, <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't plan to ever get an MBA. So how will I ever become a CEO now? So I, it didn't align. So I ended up dropping out of college, um, found myself in a company called Lala Move, and there um, the goal was really to just learn through practice. And because that company was willing to give me a shot and really make sure that I was learning all the important skills, um, whether it be learning how to sell, working with teams, 
um, building relationships, managing people, um, I learned that you don't actually need a degree to go far. Um, and it was actually possible to get a job without one. So I guess like moving that even further, I, I went, uh, I guess I, I did a lot of job searching at some point. I found myself in a company called Paymongo um, before they were even shout, big. Shout out to uh, our previous guest. Yes, Luis. <laughs> nice. So, so Luis is actually, I was under Luis, but at that time, um, Luis had no team. So it was really just the Paymongo founders and myself. And they, it was a really scrappy time. And now they're they're used by a lot of these big corporations, but back then no one actually knew what it was. And we were speaking to a lot of these VC-backed startups. We were speaking to large corporations here in the Philippines. And what happened was we noticed that regardless of the size of the company, uh, people actually did not know how to integrate with something something as simple as an API. Right. And if you can't do that, can, can you, you uh, actually... can you uh, expand API again, just for a so an API is really just. The, the, the software that you use to connect to, to um, software. So to connect one company, let's say you're trying to use uh, Paymongo, their, right. their online payment software with your website, um, you need an API to connect those two. But to use an API required a, a certain level of skills. Um, and that wasn't something being taught in, in, in these colleges. And the fact that the colleges didn't teach it meant that no one would actually be able to use the Paymongo product. And that was a huge problem for Paymongo because they, they had the best software. It was very easy to use, right. but no one, none of these companies with uh, the with their engineers could actually use it. So the idea that Luis and I had at one point was, why don't we try to figure out a way where we could actually teach people to become engineers and mm-hmm. only ask them to pay once they're hired? Um, so there, I think that's where the idea for um, Avion School really started. Um, it was really brought upon the problem that we had that there were so few engineers in the Philippines that actually knew how to work with modern engineering stacks. And we needed a lot more of them to, to fulfill the demand of the, this growing internet economy. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Uh, it seems that usually when you talk to startups, um, obviously from a problem solving uh, standpoint, uh, it originates from like the original problem perceived and the solution to that. What's interesting about your situation as it pertains to your life is it seems to be the marriage of two different problems or two different rifts you saw. One being uh, within the educational system mm-hmm. and how people are taught and the mm-hmm. other being within the uh, t- the recruiting system, like to be em- to to employ people. Mm-hmm. And, and this seems to solve both, uh, which, which is quite fascinating to me. W- mm-hmm. One question that did pop up is obviously you're trying to kind of equip uh, the workforce mm-hmm. of the future, right? And I'm wondering, what about for people who want to kind of learn just for education, educational purposes, right? For example, like what if you're, what if you aspire to uh, be in a more managerial position in the tech world, but you want to be more articulate, you want to understand how your uh, developers communicate. Mm-hmm. Is Avion School not catering to that at all? Or is that something you might want to explore in the future, like expanding mm-hmm. uh, the learning? It's something that we, 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 we don't uh, often push, um, but it's something that a lot of our students uh, tend to actually apply into Avion School for. Um, the reason that we don't push for it is because I think the, the program that we have is actually a very rigorous program. Yeah. So people can either do that for 12 weeks or 24 weeks. And the main goal of the program really isn't to teach you how to write basic code. 
um, if people wanted to do that, they could apply for a much cheaper course online. Right, there's a lot. Go there's, YouTube. there's a ton of them, yeah. There's a lot of free content there that'll teach you how to code. Um, what we're really focusing on is teaching you how to work as an engineer. So beyond writing code, we take that even further to, to, to teach you how to build um, actually your own startup in a way that you can build your own software wow. and release that. Um, added to that, we'll help you out with your interviews. We'll help you out with um, dealing with your resumes, um, how to reply to career partners, um, how to collaborate with teams. So there's a lot of work. Um, which is why I think a lot of the people who really just try to get onto it um, with the idea that they want to learn um, so that they could become a better manager, um, it usually gets, it plays a toll, take, takes a toll on their, their time. Mm. <laughs> because yeah. outside like of even class, I'm interested, but time. I know that it's like, I'm not, I don't want to go to boot camp as well. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and when you come out of it, you know, is it like, a, do they get a certification? So, so they do get a certification. Um, but for us, it's really less about the certificate. The way that we see it is it's more important that they get a job. Um, so towards the end of the program, we do connect them to a lot of different jobs that they could apply for. Um, then from there, they usually get a salary that pays them three to five times more than the, what they were previously making. We're getting a more holistic idea <laughs> of the kind of education you offer which is more than just the coding it's kind of like uh the career strategy how how old is avian school now so we're about a year um and four months old wow wow <laughs> so exactly. I, i'm counting i'm counting <laughs> it's so, my longest job <laughs> kind of like a devil's advocate question your your payment model is is quite fascinating just generally asking here like how well has it uh been working so far for you guys so far Everyone has been paying. Um, we we've actually had zero cases of someone who hasn't paid their income share agreement. Um, and I think that a big reason to that is because we do change their life up quite a bit. Um, we've seen call center agents go from a salary of, let's say, 15,000 pesos per month. Now they're making 50,000 pesos per yeah, month. Yeah. And being able to change someone's life like that um, tends to make them a little bit more grateful than um, if you just like offer them a new job. And it just happens again and again. Um, I do foresee that at some point it may be a problem. But for now, I think every single person that's gone through it has been paying back. Now that you kind of revealed that mentoring, a career mentoring is such a big aspect. How, how do you imagine scaling this, right? Because it mm -hmm. seems like you are very, uh, you, you seem to mm -hmm. devote yourselves to, mm -hmm. uh, to, to your students. As you pick up steam, you know, as it goes on year two, year three, how, how do you imagine scaling this while mm -hmm. maintaining that uh, quality and that success rate? Mm -hmm. So I think that the first part, and I, I think one of the most crucial parts um, that we all believe um, in the team is the fact that we do believe in a remote world. Um, for our team, we're completely remote. Um, in fact, like for my co-founder and I've only met him twice in real life. Um, for a lot of the people in my, in my team, I, I have not even met them. Um, but I, the reason that we're remote is because we believe that the best talent can be found everywhere. So we have instructors teaching all the way up in Vizcaya. We have instructors all the way down in Bacolod. Um, and a lot of these different places. So we're acquiring talent in all of these different regions. At the same time, we have students from all over the Philippines. So people in Luzon, Visayas, Mindanao, um, we could get. So people aren't necessarily constrained to space. Um, we aren't trying to give opportunity to people in Makati alone. We're actually trying to give opportunity to the entire Philippines. Um, but going further, the, the idea of Avian School really just goes beyond just the school. Um, where we want to head 
is we do want to be the, an engineering hub. Um, the way that we see it is the Philippines is a largely English-speaking population with a highly service-based workforce, and it's an outsource-driven economy. And because of that, um, instead of having call center agents, is there a way that we could actually churn out a lot more software engineers and find a way that we could outsource their, their, their work um, outside and be able to help these local Filipinos get those engineering jobs outside? Um, needless to say, we do believe in passing on a lot more engineering talent to the Philippines, but the market is not there yet. Yes. And while we wait for it to develop, um, we do want to service a lot of those um, much more developed countries. Uh, why Avian School? Uh, what's what's behind the name? And also, do you watch Silicon Valley? Because my first impression was like, Aviato. Anyway, just Silicon <laughs> Valley reference. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's, that, that that name has ever helped us a lot. I think people always just associated with, with that. But the name for us, and I'll tell you the real story, and I'll tell you the, the sure. story that we tell people. Love so it. the story that we tell people is that we do believe in fast growth. We, we, we use an airplane because we, see, we like seeing things soar up. Um, I guess that goes back to my roots of studying in the Ateneo before. Um, but... The real story there is the fact that we actually were just searching for a domain. Um, we couldn't find um, a domain that was catchy enough. Um, one of the few words that had a .com available was avionschool.com. <laughs> and it sounded pretty good. Uh, apparently, avion meant flight in, in a way. And yeah. we were like, okay, we could make a story around that. Yeah. Um, so that's why it's Avion School. <laughs> got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. No more. No more questions on that part. <laughs> now, um, I just want to say congrats again on Y Combinator. I'm sure you guys were like super stoked about that. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but this this was a record year for Filipino startups, right? It, it was. Um, prior to this, there's only been two other startups that did it. Yes. So Caliber did it in 2013. Um, then Paymongo did it in 2019. Friends of the Hustle Fam, both. Uh, Paul and uh, and Luis. The the more episodes we do, uh, specifically with founders and people who just work in startups in general, uh, there's like this prevailing sentiment that we are like at an inflection point. There is a rise mm-hmm. brewing within the Filipino startup scene. Mm-hmm. So um, why don't you tell us more about the Y Combinator experience, especially for for people out there who mm-hmm. might be budding entrepreneurs, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. what what is an accelerator like, uh, mm-hmm. and and what do they do? Like, how was mm-hmm. that for you, and how did that uh, kind of boost your business journey? So to briefly touch on what it was like uh, pre YC, we were, I'd like to think that my co-founder and I were all very focused. Um, we were both very focused. The few team members that we had were were, were heads down and were making the product work. What we did do wrong, however, was the fact that we were focusing on a lot of different things. Um, my co-founder was doing something, I was doing something else. Um, the other team members were doing something completely different. What Y Combinator or the Accelerator really allowed us to do was it taught us how to focus on the things that matter. And there, it's, all, it's also the reason why it was so hard for us initially, because we had all of these huge plans. We were, we were very excited about it. But once you got into YC, um, which is basically a three-month-long program where they teach you how to build a startup. Um, like once a week online? It's, it's once or twice a week. Um, then they, you do have these online classes. But you do have people there that sort of mentor you. Um, they've seen a lot of big companies already succeed. They've seen Airbnb. They've yep. seen Stripe. They've seen Reddit. Um, and they saw what it was like going from the start to where it is now. And 
so they know what the mistakes, the common mistakes of founders are. And the first conversation that I remember having with Tim, uh, our partner there, was he told us that you're focusing on way too many things. <laughs> um, what's the main metric you should be looking at? Um, I told him that it's placement rate for us because placement re- rate gets us our revenue. And he said, okay, so if that's your most important thing. Why are you doing all of these uh, unnecessary part, parts of the business? So over the next few months, he allowed us to really help us focus on how to build product that scales. Um, and it really just, and I think that the main thing that Y Combinator really teaches us is you only want to be focusing on two things. You want to focus on building product and talking to users. Everything outside of that is less important um, right now. And it's something that we, we still take on um, until this day. <laughs> on the point about focus and priorities, like one bonus thing that tends to come with Y Combinator is funding, right? So, uh, <laughs> I, you know, we, uh, it's on the news, you know, you guys, you guys found funding uh, uh, internationally because of that opportunity. Is, is, do you pitch at the end of it? Do, you, do they uh, mm-hmm. uh, broker meetings with VCs? Mm-hmm. Is that how that works? At the end of YC, there, there is this main event that they call Demo Day. And it's also like the, the main pressure that you have throughout the three months is because they're always telling you that in two months, you have Demo Day. In one month, it's Demo Day. And it's really just an online event where you, you, you pitch, you have a one-minute um, segment where you pitch your startups to uh, about a thousand plus investors. And the ones who like your well, one wait one minute, <laughs> one minute, and it, so you you have to share the entire business and focus on the most wow. important things. It, it, it was a hard. It, it was one minute, but it took hours to and yeah, yeah, no, days, absolutely longest one minute ever. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it was insane. Yeah. Uh, but you do have that day. Um, the investors that like your pitch will will send you an intro. Well, well it'll automatically generate an intro for you. Uh, then from there, it's it's your job to actually close the investor. Yeah, yeah. Um, why you have will a one-on-one meeting you. with them, then you can actually like talk it out. Exactly. So elevator pitch, elevator pitch to the broad, and then and then you see where it lands, and then so you hope you get a lot. <laughs> got it. Nice. Well, well, again, uh, congrats on that. Um, we got to talk about the the ongoing crisis, uh, the pandemic. Right, and it's impacted all industries disproportionately. Uh, based on this podcast alone, kind of see how different people react. So, obviously, um, just wanted to hear your side of the story. Right, uh, how mm-hmm. did COVID nineteen impact Avion School's journey? Because it seems like you were founded um, amidst mm-hmm. uh, the mm-hmm. COVID nineteen crisis. For us, it did affect us quite positively um, in the sense that because people are much more open to online schools, they're much mm. more open to learning a lot of different skills. Um, it did open us up to a, a market of people that wouldn't have otherwise wanted to actually want to begin a, a career in writing code. Um, but I guess on our end, I do also realize that there are a lot of businesses that were affected. And I, in a way, it it's a bit tough on us also because a lot of the companies that want to hire engineers are, are oh, all these cool. local companies yeah. who are shifting from a more traditional business over to a more technologically driven business. But because their their sales aren't going as well, because revenue right, isn't there, right. they can't exactly hire talent. Um, so while it affected us positively on the side that we are able to acquire a lot of students, uh, at times it also makes it a little bit harder for us to place students a lot faster. It's been quite an educational convo so far. Looking more into the future now, um, and going back to the initial problem of 
kind of uh, equipping the Philippine workforce towards a post-pandemic future. So what would you say is kind of the trajectory of the overall, uh, the Philippines' overall uh, education in uh, software, engineering, development, etc. Is it a, do you see it as being a bright future? Um, and we're talking mm-hmm. industry-wide, not just what um, you yourselves are doing at Avion School. I do think it's a bright future for engineers in the Philippines. And, and the reason for that is because one of our most popular courses until today is, the, is IT and computer science. Um, most people don't realize that the Philippines has a lot more engineering talent than people realize. People say it's hard to find talent, but they're everywhere. Um, the challenge now is the fact that there aren't enough people who know these modern engineering stacks. So a lot of these colleges are teaching all outdated information, um, or at wow. least the information that the market requires. Yeah. Um, but where the market's heading, where people are starting to grow tech companies, you're starting to see companies like Gcash, Paymongo, um, and all these other big startups hiring more and more engineering talent, the skills that they require are very different from what they're teaching. And the way that we, we see things happening is that, is there a way that we can actually leverage new courses um, to teach these people to become better engineers? Right. And because we're largely English speaking, like I mentioned, um, it, it, it doesn't just end here in the Philippines. There is a lot of opportunity for these local engineers to actually leverage um, on getting these high paying jobs outside and having a much better income to provide for their families. The way that I would summarize that I assume is that probably on a technical level there is there is like a breadth of like there's there's enough education here in the Philippines but because it's technical focused in an environment that's like rapidly updating itself uh, so to speak that's where uh, your services like Avion School can kind of mm-hmm. um, step in because as we mentioned earlier you have a holistic approach you're training them how to become like adaptable people not just like people who can do one thing right Exactly. So there is a skill gap. On the other side of of the conversation, what would you say now for the Philippine tech scene and uh, startups in general? Uh, what what are your predictions for it um, and the near future? I do think we're we're still very early. Uh, people do predict that the, that the Philippines will become a twenty five billion dollar internet economy in a couple of years, but I do think that's quite low for. Um, the size of the market. I feel wow. like people are underestimating what this could become. Um, every year, you're seeing more and more companies get into Y Combinator. Um, there are actually a number of very exciting startups that got into the accelerator this year, yeah. but they have not announced it, so I won't be mentioning that. But the fact that we're starting to see more and more um, investors, more and more people outside give attention to these local startups um, just means that the, the, the quality of the products here, the market is starting to mature. Um, at the same time, what's happening is that the quality, people are just becoming a lot more excited about um, where everything's headed. Um, people are much more, I, I guess, they're, they're, there's a little bit less fear now to start a startup. People are becoming a lot more bold. Um, even in our in Avian school alone, we see people actually joining because they want to build their own startup. These guys are 18, 19 year olds trying Love to raise it. money. Yes. And yes. they're excited. And I do think that as our talent pool matures, um, it'll be much much easier for people to, to build a startup. And because of that, um, people will want to invest a lot more here locally also. 
Awesome. Well, um, that's super, uh, super encouraging to hear. I, I would add that it's perhaps lockdown adds uh, to that eagerness, right? Like just people are just like craving to just like to just get out there now and just see see what they can do after like, uh, you know, in some cases, like more than a year of, of being idle, so to speak. Um, but anyway, uh, what's next for you guys at Avion School? What are you focusing on for for the next year? Our goal for the next year is really to get to our next 1,000 students. Um, that means 1,000 new software engineers will be brought into market. And the, the ideal goal is we always want to provide them with the best possible jobs that pay them the best as well. But at the same time, giving them opportunities that have a lot of career trajectory that brings them to a, a new place. Um, but why we're excited about that is because we're very excited about the idea that a one point we will be able to expand um, the way that people see um, these local engineers and really attract a global um, group of career partners or these co- partner companies that we work with that actually need these remote talent. And we're, we're leveraging and banking on the fact that that's going to be huge. And we're, we're pushing every single day to make that happen. Well, um, you know, more power to you guys. Best of luck. I feel like, you know, <laughs> Should your vision be fulfilled, it's it's gonna be like, in in just a few years' time, like, uh, being an alum of Avion School, it's almost like a stamp, right? It's like a stamp of approval. Same, and just like how you guys, you know, can you have like Y Y Comp under your, uh, mm-hmm. under your belt. So again, best of best of luck to you. Any last bits of advice, um, for both? So. Maybe you, you want to offer two different bits of advice, but uh, on one side, we have our um, aspiring software engineers, and then the other side, we have our aspiring founders. Last bits of advice from you. So for people who are aspiring uh, software engineers, the, the, the main piece of advice I would give you is just don't give up. The, the main reason people aren't able to finish the program or the, the reason that people aren't able to get these engineering jobs isn't because they don't have a degree. It's really just because they stop writing code. Um, yeah, you have to find a lot of joy in doing that. Um, and initially, that might be hard, but at some point, it gets easier. It becomes like a second language to you, and it it, it does um, pay in a lot more than just money. It allows you to do begin thinking about problems very differently. It begins allowing you to become a lot more free with your life. So keep it up. Like don't don't give up. Uh, and for aspiring founders, the, the main piece of advice I would give you is really only focus on two things, building product and talking to users. Everything else outside of that is not important. Um, so focus on those two things and you will make your startup work. So always speak to your users. Nice. I love it, dude. Okay. So anyway, uh, thanks for that wonderful conversation, Victor. We're not going to let you go just yet. We're going to wrap things up now, as we always do with our play of the week. So we talked a lot about work. Now let's talk about play. Any fun activities or recommendations for our listeners to unwind from the busyness of business? What you got? Right now, I'm jogging every 5, uh, 5 p.m. It's it's jogging time. My goal is to run a marathon. 5 p.m. Wow. I, I, I do not think I'm able to run a marathon yet, but <laughs> I, I do spend um, an hour of my day um, jogging. I think it's the only time where I really get to think. Um, I get to listen to podcasts, so I hope to yes. listen to more of this podcast also. Thank you. Um, yeah. but, but there, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> that's great. What about half? Have you done a half yet or a, or a 10K at least? 
Look, I, I started a month before this, so I don't think I'm oh, the okay. best runner. But yeah. I, I, I think by sharing it here, I, I will be a lot more committed now. <laughs> right, you're like proclaiming it a little bit, and and this is you know you know we're Rappler. Once once it's once it's on Rappler, it's there forever. So <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, future you is gonna be mad at uh, present you, but um, okay. So so jogging, that's that's a great one. Um, for me, I'm just gonna give a completely different play of the week. Uh, Netflix has surprisingly here in the Philippines. Netflix has an excellent anime uh, selection, I will say, and they just put on probably uh, one of the top animes of the past year called uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. It's now streaming on Netflix. Philippines has kind of been missing out on that uh, mm-hmm. anime. It's the newest. Uh, so Victor, it's the newest uh, shonen anime, which is mm-hmm. um, in my like unexpert uh, comparison, it would almost be like the Marvel uh, of it's it's like the mainstream anime. Yeah. You know, it's like where Naruto, uh, <laughs> One Piece, all the ones that are like the the most popular. So it's the latest one on that, and I didn't follow Naruto and all those other ones. I missed the generation, so uh, it's only had one season so far. It's good. It's you know it's. It has that shonen balance of like action, but also good writing and being like fun and family mm-hmm. friendly. So yeah, Jujutsu Kaisen. It's streaming on Netflix uh, now for everyone who wants to check it out. Besto friendos. So anyway, okay, Victor. Last plugs for, for you. How can people keep up with you and Avion School? So for to apply as a software engineer, all you have to do is head over to our website, uh, avionschool.com. Uh, we're always accepting new applicants. We do a batch every single month. And regardless if you have a computer science degree or not, um, we're more than happy to take uh, your application. Um, on my end, uh, if you if you do want to follow the Avian School story, um, follow me at Rivera Victor at Twitter. Um, I'm very active there. If you need any advice with building your startup, I tend to reply uh, very quickly. And I do build in public. So people who want to follow the journey, all the positives and negatives of building a startup, um, can catch the story. Nice. Yeah. And then maybe maybe once uh, Inside the Industry has gone through, every single Filipino founder will like revert back to you and be like, okay, so what's going on with you a year after? You know, <laughs> I think that'll be fun. And for, for, for everyone who uh, wants to follow your host here, uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Pawi Fiction, P-A-W-I Fiction. So, Victor, thanks again for joining us. Amazing conversation, dude. No, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you out there for listening. If you haven't already, please stay tuned to Hustle Inside the Industry on all podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple, where you can leave us a rating, by the way. That really helps us. But most of all, don't forget to hit that follow button. You say that the DOJ has a very clear concept of what a terrorist is, but it was also the DOJ who filed the prescription case. Well, I would like to think that that, would, that is a real, you know, that's a real lesson. Is there a risk, though, that we will never know the state of his health ever again? We can end up that way, in the same way that uh, the Supreme Court has rendered several constitutional provisions in it. How hopeful are you that this Supreme Court, under this administration, will exhibit a proactive attitude towards protecting human rights? What is before us 
is a Supreme Court that has overwhelmingly, for a few exceptions, one or two, in favor or on the side of the state power. A law that is not understood is a law that is easy to weaponize. I am Lian Wan, Rappler's Justice Reporter. Listen to Law of the Terta Land podcast, and together with leading lawyers of the country, let's unpack the pressing legal issues in the Duterte government.